Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. What's going on, podcast family? Good people of planet Earth. What a privilege and honor to be with you again. In this episode, we have Dr. Aaron Spitz, and we are talking about everything you need to know about the penis, longevity, dysfunction, and more. So this one is for the boys. However, Dr. Aaron says it's also for the girls as we dive into this. Um, So we talk about what is sexual anti-aging, the science and biology of an erection, why you should stay away from sugars, uh, healthy diets, and eating food with antioxidants, exercise. Um, I ask him for general health advice because he is a doctor. We talk about how How much masturbation is too much masturbation? Uh, The dangers of watching pornography, which keeps coming up, um, I think is becoming a little bit more popular. There's actually a whole podcast on it. Um, We talk about... What do we do? The how to optimize your penis, um, HCG injections, HGH injections. Um, so we go into things that are beyond the penis and general health, but there's a lot of penis information in here. So it's a great episode. You're going to learn a lot. If you do enjoy the episode, please share screenshots, tag me, let me know you're listening to the podcast, share that with your friends. Uh, really helps, goes a long way. Um, you can support on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair and toss a buck in the bucket, it does help tremendously. Tremendously, a lot of people um, make light work. So a lot of people just chip in on a little bit. It does go a long way, and I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Uh, make sure to go over to mattbelair.com to sign up for the email list. You can get a free lucid dreaming if you go lucid dreaming. And I am currently putting together a um, a bunch of courses. I got to do the first one, but I'm going to be putting together things on uh, mindfulness, law of attraction, personal development, finding your life purpose. All these things that I've learned, self-hypnosis, meditation, in easy to use, understand and apply video courses that are coming out soon. So I'm in the year working on that now. So you can look forward to that. I want to thank my new partner, Himalaya podcast app. They're awesome. They're free. They're easy to use. It's a great way to listen to podcasts. It's a great way to listen to the mastermind body and spirit show. There's tons of features. There's uh, you can build and connect with uh, a community of podcast lovers. Um, it has awesome suggestions for you and they're coming out with new features all the time. So go check out Himalaya. It's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A and make sure to give me a follow Mastermind Body and Spirit Show once you're over there. So I think that's it. Um, If you guys are interested in diving deeper and you want to do some one-on-one coaching, I am opening up for new clients in February and March. Um, I can only take so many, so make an inquiry at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and also for heart journeys and uh, therapy sessions and things like that. Um, Go check it out. If you want to dive a little bit deeper, um, you can make an inquiry over there. So let's just come into a state of peace and coherence through our own intention and breathing. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and just come to a powerful state of peace and presence and awareness now. Just in this moment, letting go of any thoughts, cares, stresses, and anxieties. Letting that breath out slowly, feeling totally at peace, calm, and confident, and ready to take on the day. So thank you so much for listening to this episode, and let's get into it with Dr. Aaron Spitz. Hello and welcome to the Master Mind, Body, and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a medical doctor and one of America's top urologists. He serves as the chief representative for urologists to the American Medical Association, as well as immediate past president of the California Urological Association. He advocates on behalf of the many needs of his patients, as well as across the nation. He has appeared on hundreds of TV and radio health reports and in as many newspaper and magazine articles. He is a regularly featured expert on the Doctor's Daytime TV show and is a nationally recognized expert in male fertility and contraception 
microsurgical vasectomy reversal, low testosterone, erectile dysfunction, and more. He is the author of The Penis Book, A Doctor's Guide to the Penis from Size to to Function and Everything in Between. Welcome to the show, Dr. Aaron Spitz. Thank you. It's uh, it's a real uh, pleasure to be here, and I, I really appreciate having the opportunity to share with you today. Yeah, me too. I know I, I'm I'm happy to have you on. I had I got forwarded your book, and I, I I was telling the publicist like I don't even know what to ask him. And I was telling you a little bit um, before the show. It's interesting that I found even in me, you know, being 34 year old male adult, like something that we kind of push away. You know what I mean? Where it, for me and I think many others, it's not a comfortable thing. And so um, I think that's important to, to talk about this, this um, aspect of health because a lot of men are going through a lot of different things and, and I don't even know where to start. So do you want to give a little bit about um, your background and what you're doing and the inspiration behind the book? Yeah, sure. So um, as you stated, uh, I am a urologist and I subspecialize in male fertility, but also in male sexual function. And as a result of that, uh, I found myself uh, meeting you know, many men who are uh, very uh, confused, um, very anxious about bad information about their own penises. And this is something that I think all urologists encounter. Uh, and even just general doctors don't have a, a working knowledge and a comfort level with the penis that urologists do. So even when a guy goes and sees a regular doctor, they may not come away with that information uh, that they need uh, or that they want, uh, unless they happen to get referred into the hands of a specialist like me, and not everybody has access to that. Well, I know that that information is really valuable and really important for men and, and for women as well, because there's, there's confusions on, on both sides of the penis. Uh, but I, I also have found myself uh, to have the opportunity to be a, an educator to the public. Uh, in in the general media. And as you pointed out, I'm a frequent guest on the television show, The Doctors. And I uh, have spent many episodes demystifying topics around male sexuality and sometimes female sexuality as well. And as a result of my lifelong career specializing in this area, educating my patients one-on-one, and then educating the public in general, Those influences, that experience, and that body of knowledge that I've built up and the expertise I gained in conveying that knowledge, all culminating in me putting together and putting out this book, The Penis Book. So The Penis Book is really a synthesis of all that knowledge and experience filtered through a communication style that I I hope and and I've heard is, is really accessible, something that you can pick up, read get a great deal of learning and understanding, but also be entertained, be amused, and, and, and carry it through to the end of the book. Awesome, man. Yeah, it, it's, it seems incredibly valuable for sure. Like I said at the beginning, there's not a lot of info out there, and it's not something that's regularly talked about until there's like a problem. And then right. you go figure it out right away, you know, because like, oh, goodness, we need this thing to work. Um, so. Yes. I'm not sure like the, the best way to start, but I, one of the questions that was given and I really like is like, what is sexual anti-aging? There's a lot of topics we could go into, but maybe you're most familiar with, you know, what are the largest problems, right? 90% of the problems are this, then followed by 70% this. And so maybe you can kind of go that way chronologically and give some information. Absolutely. Well, sexual anti-aging is a great place to start because it really ties into what you said about how people don't really think about the penis uh, in, a, in a medical or scientific way until there's a problem. And when is there a problem? Most commonly as we start to get older. Well, define older. Well, you know, it's not as old as we think. Uh, when I was your age, I thought my age was pretty old. I'm 51. But the effects of age uh, start to hit the penis uh, younger than you would ever imagine. Actually, there's some evidence that even towards the end of the 20s, into the 30s, for some guys, the effects of aging are starting to take root on the root. And sexual anti-aging is understanding what aging does to the penis and to sexual function, and then what we can do to slow that down or reverse it. So I'd like to first start out by explaining what an erection is and then how aging affects that 
even for guys in their late 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. And as we go through those decades, the percentage of those guys affected goes from maybe 20% of guys in their 20s, 30 in their 30s, 40 in their 40s, 50 in their 50s, and so. I mean, it's, it, it's quite um, dramatic, and uh, it gets more and more relevant as we age. So um, let me just explain what an erection is, how that works. You know, when you wake up with morning wood, what's going on down there? Uh, so the penis is comprised, the shaft of the penis is comprised of two cylinders, or, or think of them as like uh, animal balloons, elongated balloons. Uh, and instead of inflating with air, they inflate with blood. Blood rushes in and expands them. And like a balloon, they will expand and lengthen, but unlike a balloon, only to a degree, and then they won't expand and lengthen anymore. A balloon will just keep going until it pops. The lining of these cylinders is really flexible, but it's really tough. And so at some point, it stops expanding, and it just gets firmer and firmer, kind of like when you pump up a tire. A tire will expand to a degree, and then it just gets firmer and firmer. And that's what's happening as blood is filling the penis. And then once it can't fill up anymore and it can't take any more pressure, that blood is just trapped in there for some period of time. And then eventually, after say you ejaculate or, or some other influence that causes you to release adrenaline, the adrenaline counteracts the flow of blood in the penis, penis then deflates. Now, how is it possible that the penis could trap the blood inside itself? Well, it's a really clever design. The interior of these two chambers is filled with these tiny blood vessels that really look like a sponge, like a, like a really intensely fine sponge. And every little wall of that sponge is a blood vessel that has a little layer of muscle in it. And that muscle can either be contracted, closing the space up, or can be relaxed, expanding and allowing blood to flow through it. So during an erection, there is a chemical released into that spongy space due to a nerve signal. And uh, I'm not sure if I'm, uh, did you lose me there for a moment? I think the connection. I, I, think can, I can hear you, thought. but the, the, video, the video would freeze a little bit, yeah. but I could hear you perfectly. Okay, so what I was saying is that during an erection, there's a signal that travels through nerves, say from the brain, uh, to that spongy space in the penis. And those nerve endings release this uh, molecule, nitric oxide. And nitric oxide causes the uh, muscles in those blood vessels to relax, to open up, and allow the blood to flow in. Now, when the blood flows in and, and expands it, the pressure of that expanding sponge pushes against the walls of the cylinders. And in the walls of the cylinders are the veins that let the blood drain out. And when you have a good, strong erection, the inner sponge tissue is pressing so hard against the walls that it doesn't allow the blood to drain out of the veins. It pinches them off, kind of like pinching a garden hose. And no blood can leave the penis and the blood is trapped in. That's what happens to make a good, solid, healthy erection. So here's what happens with age. As we get older and starting in our 20s for some of us, those smooth muscles in those little blood vessel spaces, they have come under attack by toxins, uh, free radicals. Uh, from the day you're born, you're, they're under attack. But our body has this really good mechanism to counteract it, antioxidants and nitric oxide. But at some point, the battle gets lost. And those, uh, those free radicals, those toxins, start to cause the smooth muscle cells to deteriorate and to die off. And instead of being smooth muscle tissue, they get replaced by fibrotic collagen. When that happens, they can't expand as much. And that whole sponge can't get as large and as intense against the walls of the chamber. And now those veins can leak the blood back out of that erection. And the erection can never get fully pumped because it starts to drain away. And that happens with aging starting in the 20s and some guys, more guys in the 30s, 40s, 50s, et cetera. That's the most common reason that men have difficulty keeping their erection or, or even getting an erection. And so anti-aging, sexual anti-aging is A, understanding that that's the mechanism, and then B, looking at, well, what is causing that and what can we do to prevent it, 
or to slow it down. I mentioned toxins. Toxins are in our environment, but we feed ourselves toxins all the time with the choices we make with what we eat. You eat a bunch of processed sugar, that releases a bunch of toxins in your circulation that's having that effect on the smooth muscles of your penis. You eat a lot of fats, you eat a lot of animal products, okay, toxins. And of course, processed foods with added toxins. You work by a refinery, okay, you, you breathe polluted air, you swim in, in bad water, all of those things are toxins, but food itself is a big key. And then inactivity, just sitting on the couch, not getting up and moving your body, becoming obese. The fat, the fat that you carry on your body itself are like little toxin factories releasing toxins in your blood that's killing your penis tissues. So we can make some simple choices. Let's eat foods that are beneficial, that have antioxidants, that are not toxic. And what are those foods? Well, they're easy to find. They're in the produce section. So vegetables, fruits, whole grains, beans, plant-based foods actually have antioxidant properties that can help slow down or reverse that aging process in the penis. So does exercise. Exercise actually causes us to release nitric oxide and other antioxidants from our cells into the blood to help protect ourselves. And our body itself tries. Once we get to that age where we're starting to lose a battle, our body will start to upregulate, start to produce more of its own nitric oxide. It, it does it through an enzyme called nitric oxide synthase. And that exists in our nerves, in our blood vessels, uh, and in other tissues, our immune cells. And it's been shown that once we get to our 20s, 30s, all of a sudden, there's this bump up in production of nitric oxide to try to keep up with the deterioration from the toxins. But unfortunately, in the end, ultimately we lose. But we can slow it down if we have more nitric oxide around for the body to work with. And perhaps if we can uh, live and eat uh, in a way that promotes what our body is trying to do. So in addition to um, eating well and exercising, uh, there are also some supplements that can work with nitric oxide, that can help boost nitric oxide. And there's even uh, prescription medications that work at the level of nitric oxide. Um, we're all familiar with uh, Viagra, right, and, and Cialis. The way these pills work to give you an erection is they cause the nitric oxide that gets released into the penis to hang around longer, to keep it from, from its effects being shut down as soon as they normally would. It's like a turbocharge. And it's been shown that in animal studies, when you uh, have an animal uh, receive uh, a medication like Cialis long-term, there's actually a protective effect on their blood vessels because that nitric oxide has been able to work and, and, and linger longer and protect the blood vessels from the, from the effects of aging. Well, there are foods that are rich in nitric oxide, particularly green leafy vegetables, kale, spinach, uh, and beets. Beets and red beets, really good high sources of nitric oxide. And then there are also natural supplements. Uh, there's an amino acid, L-arginine. L-arginine gets converted into nitric oxide. And you can take L-arginine supplements uh, over the counter. The problem is though, is that L-arginine gets broken down very quickly when it goes into your, out of your stomach or your intestines into the bloodstream because it has to stop in the liver first and then the liver gets broken down. So you really don't get that much L-arginine where you need it. But there's another amino acid, L-citrulline, which does get absorbed very well and then in the blood, it then gets converted to L-arginine and then the L-arginine gets converted to nitric oxide. So it's important to understand the, the subtleties of supplements because not all supplements, uh, just because they do it in the lab doesn't mean they do it in your, in your stomach or in your body. Um, a, a colleague of mine, Dr. Jacob Rafer, who's a professor at uh, UCLA, uh, a urologist, was the guy who characterized in the New England Journal of Medicine how nitric oxide causes the muscles, the, those little smooth muscles in the penis to open up and expand. Uh, he made that discovery back in 1992, and Viagra came out around, I think, 1998, 
1997. So he was one of the instrumental pioneers in even understanding this mechanism. Well, his lab uh, set to the task of looking at nutritional supplements to say, okay, there's a lot of supplements out there that claim to be you know, a natural Viagra. What do these different ingredients do? And through a really uh, rigorous scientific process, doing experiments in the Petri dish, in animals, and even some preclinical studies in, in guys, um, they determined that a particular combination of natural ingredients, which is that L-citrulline that I mentioned, ginger, ginger, dried ginger powder, and a couple of uh, plants from Brazil that have been commonly known to help with erections you know, in, in Brazilian culture, which is guarana and marapuima, that these four in combination actually caused nitric oxide to be produced, to be, to be generated from that nitric oxide synthase enzyme in the blood vessels of rats when they studied them. And they actually saw that effect on, on human penis tissue as well. So here's a, here's a supplement or a combination of ingredients that does help the body, uh, the, the blood vessels, increase their own production of nitric oxide to try to counteract the aging process. And when they looked at, at rats, um, and, they, and they took rats that had a genetic disposition to diabetes. So they, their blood vessels got deteriorated much more rapidly because diabetes deteriorates your blood vessels more rapidly than normal. And when they took kind of mature rats and they gave them this combination of these ingredients, and then they gave them a few months on them, and then they actually examined the penises and the function of the penis as well as the cellular structure of that little spongy tissue in the penis. What they saw was that in those rats that were given those supplements, there was no aging of that tissue compared to the ones that weren't given those supplements. And in fact, the tissue in some cases actually looked younger than, than the starting point. So it had an anti-aging, a sexual anti-aging effect on the penises of these rats. And the mechanism of the nitric oxide production from these supplements, like I said, could be seen in human penis tissue as well. So this, this combination of ingredients is now available as a supplement uh, commercially called Revactin. Uh, and it's available through the, uh, the Revactin.com website. Um, it's pretty new on the market, but I think, it's a, I think it's a very interesting and exciting supplement for uh, you know, sexual anti-aging. And given that uh, this process of aging in the penis happens, at a pretty young age for a lot of guys, I think it would be wise to try to eat properly, exercise, avoid toxins, and consider a supplement such as Revactin well before you experience erectile dysfunction because you know it's happening uh, and you don't wanna have to deal with it when it's already there. You wanna try to stay a step ahead of that game. Okay, crap. You said a, you said a <laughs> lot of stuff there. Um, I'm going to throw a lot of things at you and then you kind of pick and choose as you wish. Okay. So yeah. the, I think for me, it, it's um, understanding what men might be going through. So if it's erectile, erectile dysfunction, what I'm hearing, what do you think about like, okay, so you have that exercise is important. Um, diet's important. Then you have work like Dr. Joe Dispenza using the mind. So um, you're using, you know, positivity and things like that, meditation to make that work. So that's going to pr probably, if you do those things, most people don't want to exercise or do, do the, you know, eat the vegetables and all that kind of stuff. So I think that with anything in health, that's the main thing, exercise, clean diet, um, and then use your mindset. And then it kind of goes into the spiritual kind of stuff where, um, you know, sometimes in the spiritual world, they say, don't, masturbate that's bad and i'm curious about a doctor's um view on that and there's also a lot of um information in like the yoga world about that sexual energy is the most powerful energy right and so if you just spew it away that's no good but what you can learn to do through different breathing and processes is bring that energy up into the pineal gland so you have this like activated experience and i don't know if these are common questions that you get but i just wanted to kind of and um, put all of that your way to to just give your thoughts on it. And then the last thing was, I think that people out there who really want kids, I have a really amazing friend um, 
who really wants kids and he was unable to. And I'm just curious if you can give some advice on that. Um, so the hippie spiritual stuff, how much masturbation is too much masturbation and um, super penises for babies. Okay. Oh, Jesus, that sounded so bad to, to make babies. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think we but, know what you meant. Yeah. Um, okay, well, you know, addressing the, the spiritual question, um, you know, I, uh, I don't propose to know uh, what the absolute truths are with um, spirituality and, and, and topics that are mystical, but I think we could all agree that there are definitely times throughout human history when uh, religious explanations are proffered up for phenomenon that we don't understand, and later on, the phenomenon is explained in the physical world. Uh, so when I give you an answer, it, it's not to be dismissive that there are no mystical phenomenon or that there are no spiritual realities, but I will propose to you that let's look at what we understand about the physical uh, to try to answer these questions about our physical sexual behavior um, and use that as a foundation. Okay. So with regards to masturbation, um, there really is not a physical harm that you can do to your body from the standpoint of some sort of side effect from masturbation. I know that when I was a kid, there was folklore that if you masturbated too much, you'd go blind. Uh, or, you know, you might grow hair on your palms or, or you know, some, some stigmata so people would know what you were doing. Um, and of course, that's, that's completely false. Oh, man. Uh, you know, I heard about that, but I didn't know it was actually true. It'd be so terrifying <laughs> as a kid. Like, I don't know if it's like a religious thing. Is it's like if you do this, God's going to make you go blind? Like, oh my God! Well, that's why I was always so jealous of Stevie Wonder because he was off the hook. But, <laughs> but so, at any rate, um, you know, it has been studied. Should you ejaculate more or less to avoid uh, prostate cancer? Should you ejaculate more or less? Uh, for erectile function, for lifespan, for, you know, these questions have actually been asked and studied scientifically, and um, the, the results are variable, and there really is no uh, conclusive evidence that ejaculating has a direct link to a particular health problem or a particular health benefit. So, um, no, I don't think that you can um, have any kind of physical harm uh, from masturbating in general, but having said that, if we move into the psychological realm, there are cases on the extreme, and, and, and it's usually on the extremes where you're gonna find the problems, but there are cases on the extremes of masturbation where you can reprogram yourself to not be able to respond sexually to anybody else but you. If you masturbate in a way that is very particular and you become dependent on that very particular sensation in order to reach a sexual climax, in order to ejaculate. In that way, masturbation can be bad for you in terms of inhibiting your ability to have that kind of an, of an intense connection with another person. So there are examples. I have, I've had a patient in my practice uh, where his particular idiosyncratic style of masturbation was he would lay face down on a hard floor and rub uh, his pelvis against the floor in a particular way at a particular rhythm and speed until he climaxed. And that sensation just couldn't be reproduced with penetrative intercourse. And he was not able to reach sexual satisfaction with partnered sex. Um, he's not the only one in the world. There, there are many examples of, of that kind of thing. It may not be lying on the floor, but some particular, what we call idiosyncratic masturbatory style. So that's what you have to watch out for. Uh, but just masturbating uh, as, as much as you feel that you'd like to um, is fine. However, there's another dimension to it that, again, going over to the psychological and actually the physical behavioral, and that's pornography, right? Masturbation often goes hand in hand, so to speak, with pornography. And pornography, uh, in and of itself, if viewed very frequently, and what do I mean by frequently? I mean uh, daily or several times a week which many people do now because it's so available. It's literally available in the palm of your hand on a smartphone. Um, it has been shown to cause real damage 
to a man's sexual responsiveness. And it's not just psychological, it's actually causing changes in brain centers that can be measured on MRIs, where brain centers can be measurably seen to shrink that are responsible for sexual enjoyment and for arousal. Uh, much in the same way that these kinds of brain centers can be seen to shrink in drug addicts who are chronically exposed to drugs requiring higher and higher levels to reach the same sort of normal. This happens with pornography as well. So masturbation with pornography on a very frequent basis can in fact injure your ability to respond sexually and, and impair those pleasure centers of your brain. Awesome. I'm glad you went into that because um, what I that's kind of what, what my thought was because it, it's interesting you talk about the masturbation piece because I've seen it come up more and more and I guess it's like a, a problem like pe like people in relationships I've kind of heard like oh he's got this issue um, and that's kind of how I understood it where like I guess when you when you go and you masturbate and you have like uh, there's something in the neurons of the brain it kind of like that quick fix like bit video games where that's dropping down and you kind of get that sound right and then it's just this quick uh, what's the chemical the the endorphin that's released and so right. you're yep. doing that over and over and you're desensitizing your body but it's mostly a psychological thing that you're experiencing and there's actually even a podcast that just I, I was doing some research on like health podcasts and there's like a top one and it was just about how to stop masturbating because well, it's me, become such me, an issue let me just clarify I don't I, I I'm not saying that masturbating in and of itself ruins your sexual responsiveness to a partner. I'm very specifically saying viewing pornography with or without masturbating. But it's masturbating and using your imagination is one thing. And I don't know that there's any evidence that it actually uh, impairs sexual responsiveness um, at, you know, at, at sort of you know, typical levels of masturbation. And I'm not actually advocating for a prohibition on mastur masturbation. But the neurological experience of getting pornographic visual information into your eyeballs frequently that's a different story whether you're masturbating or not but i just brought it into the masturbation context because often people are masturbating with pornography but even if you're not that visual uh neurological input of that intense um sexual information is damaging and that's really where i'm focusing the prohibition on or, or, or the, the de-escalating of, of, of exposures more to the pornography as opposed to the masturbation, you know, on your own with your imagination. Got it. Well, I'm really happy you clarified that because in my mind, that's what I was thinking. So the words were different. So people might have misunderstood that. So I'm really glad that you clarified that. Um, and so there's a couple different ways I want to go, but do you have any... Um, um, advice for someone who wants to stop because i've because i I've, I've heard it's like one of the like major i think it's like a newer form of addiction that it, you know it's just this it's the quick fix right and yeah. um so and then like you said it's so accessible then you start getting in this pattern and now you're kind of like in it and so yeah. if you have any advice for people who might be um doing that like what would you say well the good news is is that these same scientific studies that are showing this to be a problem are also showing that it is reversible so guys who have developed really severe problems with this, if they cut it out cold turkey, eventually as the months go by, they get better and better. So knowing A, that it's a problem, not just psychological, but, but physical is, is the first step. Because I think once you're aware that this is actually a problem, you realize that, hey, I need to stop this. It's not just a, a, a morality thing. It's not just a social stigma. It's my health, it's my body, it's my brain, it's, it's tissues in my brain, okay? Kind of like uh, if you didn't know cigarettes were bad for you and you smoked and I told you all the bad things about cigarettes, you might be like, well, gosh, I don't wanna do that to myself anymore, you know? I like breathing. Uh, so I think that the knowledge that I'm putting out there today, which is not widely known, will help a lot of people get off that addiction because they didn't even realize it was a problem. They thought it was just in their head, but not truly in their head. And also the hope, the knowledge that in fact, people who quit pornography, cold turkey, get better, uh, will motivate them that there is an end in sight. Awesome, cool, very, 
practical doctor answer. It's really good. And, and yeah, it's not, it's not common knowledge. I don't think even people that are doing it are stuck in it, are, are aware. Of yeah, I, I presented this information to um, a very high level group of academic urologists, urologists uh, who are chairman of departments uh, at, a, at an academic conference uh, about two years ago, right before my book came out because I have a chapter on this in my book, all about it, getting into all the details of the, the biology and the psychology and, and the studies. Um, and uh, the chapter is called uh, Sex, Lies, and uh, Videotape. <laughs> and uh, so this room full of you know, the smartest guys uh, in, in the country um, were amazed and shocked. They, they were not aware. And subsequent to my presentation to them, I've now seen a couple of academic presentations on the same exact topic at our national meeting. So it's just starting to, to come into the awareness of, of more and more people, but, it, but it's really, really hardly known at all. Right. Awesome. Yeah. I'm really glad you shared that. I want to throw some, um, some things your way because uh, um, we're, we have some like about 15 minutes or so. And so I want to see where you want to pick up, but I know, I know that, um, you know, a really delicate subject for people who want to have kids. Do you have any recommendation for them? Um, the other one, it would be, um, just like, how do you, like, what are some do's and don'ts for like a healthy, ideally, you know, like if you go in the optimized world, how do you optimize and make like a super penis, you know? Yeah. And then that will lead into kind of like, um, okay, quote unquote dysfunctions. I don't know how many there are, but one of the ones that I'm familiar is like, uh, you know, premature ejaculation. You don't land, you don't last long enough. And then when you go into that world and you research it, you can find some crazy stuff. I remember <laughs> this is like my friend telling me some thing about like a hot sauce and I was like what the hell man and I was like people do weird stuff so can you like kind of clarify and give yeah. some overview sure. on all of that yeah so let's start with fertility um uh, about uh about 15 percent of couples are infertile and uh, about half the time some of the fault or all of the fault is on the male side but most people assume it's the female side so if you're in a couple and you guys are infertile, the guy should get checked. Uh, don't put it all off on the woman. Uh, go get a sperm test. See, see where you're starting out. Uh, there are a variety of reasons why a guy's sperm count may be low or even zero. They range from a genetic cause to um, diet and lifestyle. But a real common cause is varicoceles, which is in large veins around the testicles. Kind of feels like a squishy bunch of stuff in the scrotum above the testicle. A lot of the causes of low sperm count are improvable, are, are correctable. But even when there are causes that are not improvable, our technology is so good with insemination or even more intensely uh, successful in vitro fertility that we can usually work around the problem, even if the sperm production is very low. So male infertility is something that's common. It's underdiagnosed. It's very underdiagnosed. And when it is diagnosed, it can be managed. So that's the quick answer on, on fertility. But like everything else, good diet, good clean diet, exercise, avoiding you know, toxins, avoiding you know, ac, you know, drugs, excess alcohol. Can you drink? Yeah, you can drink. Five to seven drinks a week is probably fine. Uh, smoke? No. Um, so that's fertility. Um, when we look at, um, uh, you were asking you know, common uh, uh, dysfunctions with the penis. Um, erectile dysfunction is really common, uh, and it happens now and then to, to most guys, uh, even, even young guys like you, younger than you. Uh, if you understand how erections work and the fact that there's this aging process, you'll understand that for guys in their 50s, 60s, 70s, this is usually a physical problem, okay? It's just the, the blood vessels and the tissues are just not as good as they used to be, okay? It's not the fault of the person. It's not the, not the psychological fault of the person in most cases. But in young guys, your age, younger, it usually is psychological. It usually is behavioral. And what is happening there? Well, it's usually something really simple. Maybe the guy had an off day, he had a cold or something. Something was up, threw him off, he had a bad night. Well, the next time he gets in the saddle, he may have this thought that pops in his head. What if I have trouble tonight like I did the last time? Well, that very thought causes him anxiety, and anxiety causes him to release adrenaline. 
a real chemical, adrenaline. We like adrenaline. Adrenaline's cool, right? Extreme sports and you know all the fun stuff we do with adrenaline. But adrenaline causes the blood in your body to go to your heart and lungs and brain and, and, and away from the less vital parts like your fingers, your toes, and your penis. That way, if you get into an accident or you get attacked, you get something while you're on your adrenaline, um, it's preserving you from losing a lot of blood. Well, the problem is adrenaline and, and erections do not mix. And so when you have that simple thought, I wonder if I'm gonna have trouble, you release adrenaline and boom, the blood flow to your penis gets shunted away and you can't get your erection, you can't keep your erection. Well, guess what happens the third time you're up to bat? I wonder if I'm gonna have trouble like I did those other two times. Boom, adrenaline, and it's a vicious circle. And that's the most common cause for erectile dysfunction in younger guys. And if you understand that, you can kind of step away from the brink, use these techniques like meditation and focus to calm. And if that's not enough, there are behavioral sexual specialists that have really great techniques to help kind of calm that down. But even then, we can work around it. We can prescribe medications like Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, which are typically stronger than the adrenaline, get you back in the saddle, give you several sexual episodes that are successful, rebuild your confidence, then you can stop taking the medication and kind of coast again back on your own normal baseline. And the good news is that those prescription medications really have no harm. They only have harm if you have a bad heart and you're taking nitroglycerin. That's That nitroglycerin combo is the only Danger. Otherwise, these medications are very useful, they're very helpful, and in some cases, even healthy. Awesome, cool, very informative, and I appreciate that. So, I I, I was curious about um, a couple things too. Like, is there is there an effect on like depression and anxiety in general with with this? Like, does it have an effect on yeah. um, the function? And the other one that you touched on, it's coming up a lot lately, is a uh, TRT. A friend of mine wrote a book called The TRT Bible: A Testosterone Replacement Theory. Testosterone. What's what's your view on all of that stuff? Well, before I answer those questions, let me answer a question you did ask before that I neglected to answer, and that was about, um, well, two, premature ejaculation uh, and how to optimize your penis. Yes. Okay. So premature ejaculation is, uh, is a very common uh, syndrome, and it's not really a disease. It's not really uh, a disorder. It's just really, in, in most cases, how guys are wired. Some guys are wired to ejaculate quickly. Some guys aren't. Now, there are other more... Uh, sophisticated reasons why a person can develop it. But in many cases, it's just kind of what your baseline is. And fortunately, um, we can improve that if you desire. Uh, probably in, 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 in a much more ancient time, uh, sex was not nearly as recreational as it is today. And so we didn't focus so much on the nuances of our sexual experience. But now it really is a recreational event and uh, a very elective event and, and having children and all of these things we've, we've, we've gained so much more control over. Uh, and so uh, a behavioral specialist in sexual medicine can retrain a person to last longer uh, with exercises that are called um, sensate focus or stop start where a person is brought to the brink and then they back away. And these are exercises that they can do with themselves with masturbation or with a partner. And um, I do highlight what that's all about in the penis book. Uh, there's a, a, a chapter that, that has information on that, but it's best done you know, with, a, with a specialist. But there's even an app that can take you through that technique called the PEA app, Premature Ejaculator app. And it's got a little uh, cartoon doctor in there who walks you through the steps. So you can retrain that neurological reflex to last longer, kind of like you can train yourself to hold your breath longer and longer. Or you can use a topical spray. There's different topical sprays out there that, that have lidocaine in them that numb the nerves of the penis. And a really good one is called Promescent, available at promescent.com. And it's a lidocaine spray, but the formula uh, allows it to absorb nicely and not cause your partner to be numb. And it doesn't make your penis numb. It just takes that sensation down a notch so you can last longer. And, and it's really effective. And then there are prescription pills, which can work on the nerves you know, internally um, if the topical is not your cup of tea or it's not working out. But one way or another, there are, there are definitely remedies uh, to enable you to ejaculate longer if you desire to. Um, as far as you know, optimizing the penis, uh, hacking your penis, if you will, um, I think now that we understand what 
causes erections and what deteriorates them, you want to really get out ahead of the deterioration of the smooth muscles of your penis. You want to get out ahead of those, uh, of those toxins and of those free radicals. And so, as I said before, you know, the earlier you can adopt a healthy diet, and I would promote actually a, a vegan or mostly vegan diet, honestly, um, and, and regular exercise, the better. You want to get a good night's sleep. You asked about testosterone and testosterone replacement. When we sleep is when the uh, signals that cause our testicles to produce testosterone surge. And when we don't get a good night's sleep, we're not getting those surges of testosterone that we could be getting. And the testosterone helps the, the penis tissues to function properly, as well as gives us you know, our sex drive and our, all those other great benefits of testosterone, muscle mass, and, and, and immune, immune strength. And in fact, if you have low testosterone, you have a shorter lifespan. So testosterone is important. A good night's sleep is important along that way. Um, and then uh, you wanna make sure you're not getting caught up in, in excess alcohol and drugs. These things will uh, impair your erections and, and impair your body. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you can't help it, you may find yourself with certain medical conditions that require certain medications that have side effects. But to the extent that you can keep yourself healthy, you can keep your penis optimized. And then there's supplements. And I mentioned the Revactin supplement, which I think has really good science behind it uh, as, as sort of this anti-aging effect uh, on your penis tissues with, with its ability to increase the production of nitric oxide, along with all the foods that are rich in nitric oxide, the green leafy vegetables, uh, beets, et cetera. Um, and, and then staying away from porn. Optimize your penis by, by not putting uh, mental toxins uh, into those brain centers that, can, that control erection. And then knowledge. Understanding how your penis works already puts you on the road towards hacking your penis. So you know, pick up a book like my book, The Penis Book, which is really, you know, I would say, the ultimate penis hack. <laughs> That's a, oh man. Well, I appreciate that. It's a very, very valuable information. And uh, I think it's going to add a lot of clarity for a lot of people because, you know, like it's not a common discussion. And even when I hear it, it doesn't sound like an educated one. Um, it's just like, you know, a couple of weird things you, you looked up on the internet. Um, I want to thank you for your time. Is there, I guess I, I, you've, you've listed them pretty much very well, like the do's and don'ts. Um, but is there anything like I should have asked or that we missed or that was common that you want to share about before we, we close this up? Yeah, let me go ahead and answer your question about testosterone replacement. Because yeah. that is a really um, important issue to understand. Uh, I see a lot of guys coming into my practice uh, who are asking for testosterone or who are on testosterone. And sometimes appropriately, but in many cases not. So testosterone is an essential male hormone. Uh, it is what gives us our muscle strength, our, our sexual characteristics, our sex drive. It's important for our erections. It's important for our bone strength. And it's important for our very uh, lifespan, longevity. And as we get older, just as our, our penis uh, starts to deteriorate, so does our testosterone production from our testicles. That will start to dwindle. And as men get older, testosterone levels get lower. And for some men, it drops below normal levels and into a level that really is causing them harm. So it is a legitimate thing that a guy could need testosterone. But there are a lot more guys who think they need testosterone than actually do. Because the symptoms of low testosterone can also be the symptoms of stress and daily life. Those symptoms are fatigue, uh, depression, low sex drive, um, uh, falling asleep earlier in the day, uh, well, you know what, if you, if, you, if you work too hard and don't get enough sleep uh, and under severe stress, you can have all those symptoms. But you could have all those symptoms and think it's just because your life is stressful and be missing the boat that you actually have low testosterone and actually need some help. It's more common as guys get into their 40s, 50s, 60s. But if you do have symptoms of poor erections, low sex drive, fatigue, um, you know, not not, not seeming to make the gains for your exercise that you used to, these kinds of things, don't hesitate. Go into your doctor and get a blood test to see what your testosterone level is. That's how you know, it's a blood test. And if your testosterone is, is truly low, and best to verify it on a couple of tests because it can fluctuate from, from one, way, one day to another, then boosting your testosterone makes sense. Now here's the catch. If you're a young guy and you're trying to have children, do not go on testosterone. Because when you go on testosterone, 
although it gives you the benefits of bringing your testosterone up to normal so that you can have all the physical benefits and requirements from testosterone that your body has, it shuts off your body's own production. You now are using this external source of testosterone. It might be an injection. It might be uh, a lotion or a gel that you put on your skin. It's not a pill. But you, you now are relying on that for your testosterone, and your body's inner production goes into hibernation. When you stop taking testosterone, you'll ramp back up, but it can take many months. And occasionally it won't happen if you like really over-rev the system by taking too much testosterone. But when you take testosterone and you shut down and hibernate your body's production, you're also hibernating your body's production of sperm. So when you go on testosterone, your sperm shuts down. Don't use testosterone to make yourself more fertile. It's just the opposite. And even some doctors don't realize that. I've seen infertile men who are put on testosterone by their other doctor. The good news is it's reversible. If you're a young guy, you want to preserve your fertility and you have low testosterone, there are other ways you can boost it with other kinds of prescriptions that work on the pituitary gland signal to your testicles, boosting that. Or other injections that mimic those hormones so that your testicles are still the source of testosterone and the source of sperm. One such injection is HCG. And the problem with HCG is there's a lot of like street knowledge about HCG, and there's a lot of guys who give themselves testosterone, they're getting it on the black market, and they go, well, you know, I read on the forums, if I give myself a shot of HCG once a week, or if I run a cycle of, you know, a week of HCG shots every month, that'll protect my sperm. Couldn't be further from the truth. None of that works. The only way you can preserve your sperm with HCG and testosterone is a very precise and frequent combination of the two that none of the forums discuss. So you have to be careful with testosterone. It should always be given because of an actual diagnosis of low testosterone and under the supervision of a doctor because there can be problems. Sometimes the red blood cells can get too, 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 uh, too much production. You can get sludgy blood and get a stroke. Or... If you have prostate cancer brewing and didn't know it, it can possibly grow faster. There are things that can happen. Not a lot. Testosterone, by and large, is very safe. But it's one of those things that still needs to be monitored. shouldn't be done on your own in the gym. Right. Thank you for all that. Well, what came up for me was HGH. Is that similar to HCG? I know HGH came up a few times. Can you right. shed some quick light on that? They sound the same, but they're radically different. Okay, cool. Uh, HGH is human growth hormone. That is the hormone that uh, we all make to allow us to go from, you know, embryos to, to fetuses, inf infants, and uh, I mean, actually for, from, from, from fetuses to children, not embryos, but it's what makes our bones grow and our muscles grow and, and uh, our organs grow. And at some point it, it, it decreases, but, you know, the levels that humans have are the normal levels. And in an effort to, to uh, prevent aging or reverse aging, um, people use growth hormone injections because as we get older and deteriorate, we do have less growth hormone stimulating our muscles and our tissues. And so uh, that is uh, used as an anti-aging strategy, or it's used as a legitimate medical strategy for children who don't have enough growth hormone and aren't growing properly, okay? Uh, HCG, on the other hand, is human chorionotrophic gonadotropin. <laughs> Big name. And what it is, is it's a hormone that mimics a hormone from our pituitary gland that stimulates our testicles to wake up and produce testosterone. So when you take HCG, it stimulates your testicles to make more testosterone. It doesn't have anything to do with the growth of your muscles or the, or the anti-aging effects like human growth hormone does, it may have an indirect effect because by boosting your testosterone production, you can get stronger uh, and, and, and in a way, that's like an anti-aging effect. But it's not that the growth hormone of HGH. HCG is a stimulator of testosterone. Okay, cool. I appreciate that clarity. And the reason why I brought it up is just if when I heard about HGH, it was it wasn't being administered by doctors, it was people acquiring it yeah. through other means. Is that something that doctors do prescribe at times? You know, um, doctors legitimately prescribe it to children. 
who have insufficient growth hormone and have stunted growth. Uh, but in the context of, a, of, of adults getting H, uh, HGH, this is usually happening through boutique anti-aging practices. These may or may not be MDs. Uh, they may be uh, naturopaths or chiropractors. And there may be some MDs who, who are into it, but it's not, it's not a traditional part of, of uh, allopathic medicine, if you will. It's not, um, it's, it's still, I would say, uh, a work in progress. So is it because the science isn't there? Because I had it explained to me as that, you know how you get it, right? It's a supplement. It's the new super thing. You know, you're going to be superhuman. And, and I know if like, and I know people were taking it and having good results. Is it because that the, the science isn't there yet to confirm yeah. that it's safe and we don't have the side effects? I think so. I think that, I mean, I'll tell you that there's not, there's not a lot of evidence that it's harmful. It's not as if there's a large body of information that says, um, oh, you know, there's all these cancers that occur. Uh, on the other hand, um, it hasn't really been studied in a, in a proper way in that context. And, you know, growth hormone stimulates cells to grow. And uh, I think there is some concern that maybe there could be some unintended consequences of exposure to it. It doesn't look like it's a very dangerous uh, thing to do, but on the other hand, it's not well studied. And so that's kind of where we're at with it right now. Awesome. Well, Dr. Spitz, I appreciate your time. I know you're a busy man. Um, that was very informative. So I'll Thanks. give it the last question that I'll give to you is just like a general off the cuff. What are the doctor's tips for living a good life that's happy, manifesting your dreams and just being happy in this crazy thing of a world and plug your book and all that kind of stuff where we can find you? Okay. Well, um, I would say eat well. Uh, and I, I would recommend moving in the direction towards a vegan diet. Um, whole, whole food, plant-based foods uh, is great. Um, get a good night's sleep, seven hours. Shoot for seven hours or more. If you're a teenager, more than that. Um, exercise regularly. Uh, meditate. Meditation helps you uh, practice being in the moment. And then when you're not meditating, try to be in the moment. Uh, bad stuff hasn't happened. It's only what's happening right now. And if it's already happened, no need to replay it. Um, and I think if you can, if you can adopt those tenants, um, you can have a good, happy life. Amazing. Thanks. Yeah. And where do we find your book? Yes. Well, please find my book. Um, it is available on barnesandnoble.com, Amazon. Kindle, Audible, and it's also available in other languages. It's out in, uh, in Dutch, in Italian. It'll be coming out in a few other languages, including Chinese uh, in the coming year. Uh, but uh, yeah, please, it, it's a great idea for um, uh, upcoming uh, holiday present. Uh, I have several uh, people I know of who have bought it for their, for their uh, young young uh, boys, 11, 12, 13 year olds as a, as a primer, really. Um, and it's a great book for women. Um, I find that when women read the book, they're as or more excited than guys about the intel, the, uh, <laughs> the information they never do, uh, which is helpful for, for, for them and their, and their partners. Uh, but yes, uh, the penis book, look for it uh, online and, 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 and in some stores as well. Awesome. Well, Dr. Aaron Spitz, it's been a pleasure. Very informative. Thank you so much for coming on the show and, and thank you for writing the book and, and trying to demystify everything penis. I appreciate it. Thank you too. All yeah, right. Take care. See you guys for watching. Thanks for watching. Peace. All right, guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Dr. Aaron. I'm sure that your penis IQ has just gone through the roof. Um, so, yeah, if you like the episode, uh, take screenshots, share it, let people know you're listening. Leaving reviews in uh, iTunes helps tremendously. Uh, tossing a buck in the bucket at patreon.com goes a long way. Um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. Uh, but the best thing that you can do to support the show is do one act of kindness. Even better is just take the kindness challenge, three kind acts a day for a week go out of your way to do it and it counts to get someone's name to pick up a piece of trash to uh listen to somebody um just go out of your way to do it and uh that's the 
best thing you can do to support the show. Uh, thank you so much to the Himalaya Podcast app, my new partner sponsor. I appreciate everything they're doing for me uh, to help spread the word, to get the podcast out there. And mostly I appreciate you guys. Um, if you're interested in some coaching, you go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Check out the Zen Athlete book. Um, and I'm doing sessions and one-on-one. Um, and I'm opening up to a few more people in February and in March. So I think that's it. Um, if you want to lucid dreaming, go forward slash lucid dreaming at mattbelair.com. Get a free ebook and guided meditation. But that is it. So wherever you are in the world, let's close this up by coming to a, uh, a, a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are, just taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. Just set your intention to come to a powerful state of peace and presence now. Let that breath out slowly and controlled with all the cares, all the worries, all the stresses and anxieties. Just letting them go now, feeling totally present, peaceful, and empowered. So thank you so much for listening to this episode, and I will see you in the next one. Have an incredible day.